So welcome back to episode seven of the Cineworld Staff podcast. Tris, did you ever think we'd make it to episode seven? Uh, no, I'm surprised we got past episode one, to be honest, matey, uh, like many a Star Wars fan. Uh, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, seven weeks in, seven podcasts. Um, uh, the feedback we're getting from people is great. Um, if there is anyone with any negativity out there, they keep it to themselves, which is fine. But, Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's it's really great. Um, hopefully, we're, we're entertaining, we're informing, and these podcasts are really good to listen to. Uh, that's our hope. Uh, so, big hi to everybody out there again this week. Hope you're all keeping well, and um, let's crack on. How's your week been, Stu? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, I, I, whenever you ask me that, and I know that we always talk before we kind of record this anyway, but whenever you ask me that, my brain always goes, what have you done this week, Stu? Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so obviously we did the uh, staff quiz uh, last Friday night, which was really good. Mm. Um, I think everyone that attended really enjoyed it. It was a mixture of uh, being difficult and not so difficult. Um, I think that was the difference between yours and my rounds, Trist. Um, yeah. But I think everyone really enjoyed it. It was nice to see a load of friendly faces on Zoom and, um, you know, have a good chat at the end just about where, you know, everything is and, it was nice. It was really good. Um, uh, I think we're going to do another quiz as well at the end of June. Um, I think this time, though, what we'll do is we'll, we'll do it on Zoom again and uh, we'll do it on an app called Kahoot, uh, which in which basically you've used Kahoot before um, at conference. But um, effectively, what it is, is just an app where it's a multiple choice uh, questions. So you get like 10 seconds to answer. The quicker you answer, the more points you get. Um, but the great thing about it after each round you'll be able to see um like a scoreboard so who is you know out in front and and who's trailing behind um plus you know for the harder questions if you have a multiple choice then potentially you might be able to guess uh the, the right answer so but by harder questions you mean my questions right yeah i didn't want to say out loud but yeah that's <laughs> that's what i meant specifically uh, uh, so, uh, so What's gone? You you were going to say? No, I was just going to say last Friday was great fun. So thank you to uh, everyone who got involved, and hopefully um, you'll be doing the same again at the end of June. And for anyone who couldn't make it, I know that we got quite a few messages from people saying, "Oh, got already committed to this on Friday, doing that on Friday." You know, so um, it's a shame that people uh, missed out. But hopefully on the next one, it'd be great to get uh, a lot more people involved. And yes, with the Kahoot system, I think people have got yeah more multiple choice options, and maybe even more difficult questions will be uh, <coughs> a little bit more simplistic to uh, to answer oh actually Stu, that's just reminded me can i clear something up from last week sure please yeah. do because if you remember one of the questions that i asked there was actually a rebuttal um if you remember oh, it was, yeah yeah it was it was the question uh, about um which actor has played characters in three different films and has died at the hands or the malleables and the arms uh, or the machine gun of the terminator an alien and a predator and the answer is Bill Paxton. But um, it was our old friend, Mr. Sweeney, who said, oh, aren't there two people who've died by all three? And then a couple of uh, guys, I think it was Carlos and maybe one of the Alexes also mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's uh, Lan Lance Henriksen has also died uh, by all three. Um, so after a bit of back and forth, I thought, OK, if anyone's got the answer, Lance Henriksen, we'll accept that. As it turns out, nobody had. It was one of those things where the whole thing became moot. But... 
yeah, you know how my brain works, too. You know, I don't want to be like weird but, and mysterious ways. Indeed, just... but I it kind of it was niggling at me because I was thinking, oh, I don't want to be a chuff and get a question wrong. That that just looks bad on me. Um, so I looked into it over the weekend because I just couldn't let it go. Um, and it turns out that um, I just want to clear this up for my own vindication. It's correct. Uh, Bill Paxton is the only actor who's died by all those three horror icon sci-fi icon creatures um lance henriksen yes he was killed in the original terminator he played a police detective who was mowed down in the police station section in aliens versus predator he was um (laughs) skewered by a predator his character did die in that however in aliens he plays an android called bishop so i would argue whether he can actually die or just stop functioning but um at the end sequence he's torn in half by the alien queen but his upper body is still functioning and even has lines at the end of the film. So the Bishop character still survives and he's still functioning. And it's actually in Alien 3 when it's Ripley who switches him off and deactivates him. So technically it's Ripley that kills Bishop, not the Alien Queen. Uh, and even though there are videos online and people are saying, oh, yeah, Lance Erickson's definitely died. It's like, no, his character doesn't die in Alien. So I felt really good about that. And I dropped Sweeney a line and he was like, oh, yeah, OK, fair enough. Um, so to everyone who joined in last Friday, um, I, w- I wasn't getting it wrong. Uh, the question's valid. and uh, But it's a great point because it's one of those little things which I'm sure uh, a bunch of us could have had a discussion about for, for absolutely hours about it. But, uh, yes, oh, I feel good to get feel, off my chest. I feel, like, I feel like you cleared that up and uh, I'm probably going to be able to sleep at night now. So I'm uh, so glad. Thank you. It? Thank you for that, Tris. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Uh, yeah, your with, sleep uh, patterns the... are important to me. <laughs> Exactly. So the rest of my week after the quiz, uh, not too much. I did a bit of golf, you know, did the usual one for a couple of walks. Um, I've been continuing to watch uh, The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary, um, which I just am absolutely loving at the moment. Um, I love a sports inspirational movie, um, as you will find out shortly, but um, it's just brilliant. And anyone that hasn't you know, watched it, I would thoroughly recommend it to anyone. Um, yes, I was set the task of trying to watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels uh, and Apocalypse Now. Failed on both of them, Tris, as you'd expect. What? No. Yeah. Really? No. The thing is, right, is that, and look, I'm sure that loads of people find this, is that when you go to watch a film, all right, what tends to happen is you'll sit down and you end up watching a film that you've seen about five or six times before rather than watching the new film. Yeah. The other thing that potentially happens is you think, well, let's watch a film. You sit down, you've got 16 different streaming services, you've got <laughs> however many Blu-rays, and you still watch a film. Or you sat, sit there and you're like, oh, I don't know what to watch. Let's just watch a TV show. And it's one of them that you just, unless you're in the mood for it, I'll happily do that like hundreds of times and we won't pick a film. Yet, if Harry Potter 6 comes on, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, just in case anyone picks me up on that. <laughs> if that comes on and that's halfway through it uh, on terrestrial TV, I have to sit there and watch the last hour and 20 minutes of it because I'm committed. Yeah. And it's like, it's sat up there in a Blu-ray. Why don't you just watch <laughs> it if you want to watch it? Come on. Well, like um, the other week when you ended up watching Spider-Man 3. You just, exactly, got, you just exactly. got into it and you just started watching it. Yeah, Exactly. So I did watch one film this week. Um, it was a film I've seen before. Uh, it was Moneyball um, oh. from 2011, 2012. Yeah, cracking um, film. Really good film. Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill both got Oscar nominations for it. Um, it's really a fantastic film. And like I said earlier, I do love my sports inspirational movies. And, you know, that is a cracking one. One of the things I didn't actually realise, you know, because I hadn't watched it since 2011 when it came out, 
is that one of the star or one of the baseball players that Brad Pitt convinces to join is actually played by Chris Pratt. Um, oh, and I, I think Chris Pratt's great. I know that you're a big fan of Sixty Star Lord. Yeah. Um, but for me, like I, I just didn't. I've completely forgot that he was in those films earlier because I guess I just assumed that you know his first film was Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and. Um, but he he was in a couple of other films. I know I I remember the one I think he was in with Vince Vaughn called The Delivery Man. I I didn't ever watch it, but I do remember he was in it. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can you remember any other Chris Pratt films pre Guardians. Oh yeah, well I mean Guardians is the film that sent him into the stratosphere, pun intended. Um, but he was on a TV show called Parks and Recreation. I think that's yeah. what a lot of people yeah they remember him from or know him from because he yeah. I think he was like you know he was like the tubby character, the the funny character, and the comic relief. I think for for most of those episodes, I've never actually seen the show, but I hear really good things about it. But yeah, he's been in films. Like, uh, he was in Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, he was he was one of like mm. the special ops team in that uh, movie Forty Three. That rather horrible oh, anthology, yeah, yeah, anthology yeah. Uh, film that came out. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. He's he's been around in a lot of films. Obviously, prior to that, as he was building up his career, and uh, uh, but yeah, Guardians is the one that obviously made him a household name and uh, becoming part of the MCU. But uh, no, I, I mean, I loved Moneyball when it came out, and I, I totally forgot that that he was in it. So, film, I, I do love films like that. Films mm. like Remember the Titans, you know, anything like the Mighty Ducks, anything, any of them, I absolutely love. But you've just kind of given me an idea, actually, Trish. Oh, okay. So, so Chris Pratt, okay used to be the tubby comic relief is is how you said it okay i meant no uh, disrespect then, to him uh yeah no no I'm, i don't think he'd take any disrespect honestly he just seems like a nice guy yeah sorry Chris. um so tubby comic relief mm. then he buffed up and he became a movie star now i know this guy he's got a little bit of a sheffield twang to him uh tubby comic relief some people would say that um and i think i could turn him into a film star like how what do you think how how would be the best way for me to approach uh, this friend of mine well i think i think you should drop isaac align in sheffield and uh, and put the idea to him and see what he thinks <laughs> well i was actually thinking more along the lines of you Trish. what so. no <clears throat> Um, yeah, no, I I think if we drop the comedy side of it, there's a comedy started, side, you know, getting you working out. Um, <laughs> I think there could be a role in Guardians of the Galaxy three for you. Uh, um, yeah, okay. And I, I will happily be your agent as well. Listen, I'll only take fifty percent. Okay, uh, that's that's a good rate these days in Hollywood. I don't believe it is. Um, okay. <laughs> and then we'll go from there. Leave it with me, Tris. I will sort it out. Leave that. With okay. Me. Yeah, you can be my agent slash personal trainer, maybe. Because yeah, you're, still, you're still doing the Joe Wicks workouts. Uh, yeah, Joe Wicks got nothing on me, mate. So um, I only have to lie down for about 30 minutes after each one. Um, so anyway, Tris, that was uh, that was my week. So uh, please, uh, you know, vindicate um, our comedy duo that, uh, that we go for and tell me that you've watched at least 10 films this week so that our average can be a little bit higher. Uh, tell, tell me what you've been watching. I think, I think you're building up the comedy aspect a bit too much, but okay. <laughs> uh, it was all on you, really. I'm just... I just sit here and, and talk nonsense. So I just listen to your comedy. Itself. And that's exactly what I do too. Uh, to be honest, it's been a bit of a strange week. Um, I had the fun of de-icing the freezer and I strimmed the front garden 
just in time for the sunshine <laughs> to go away. Uh, so yeah, rivet- what a joy! Riveting a stuff, joy. riveting stuff, and uh, it's amazing. All the grass has gone now, and immediately on the first night, a fox decided to use it as a toilet. Brilliant! So I was tidying up that as well. So yeah, it's been a fun weekend, uh, fun fun week for me so far. But film wise, uh, continued with my uh, run of the MCU. Ironically, watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One and Two, also Age of Ultron yes. and Ant Man as well. Um, continuing with my run of uh, Disney films because I started a couple of weeks ago with Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Uh, watched Bambi and then I also watched the naughty sequel um, Bambi 2 as well which featured Patrick Stewart doing one of the voices which I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed um, I didn't even know there was a Bambi 2 yeah yeah well um, I, was, I was having this chat with Claire actually uh, basically there are loads of in the noughties Disney just produced all these straight to um, VOD sequels to a lot of their classics I think there was a Cinderella 2 Fox and the Hound yeah. 2 um, yeah so I'm, I'm searching them all I know there was a I knew there was a Lion King too, and there was a Little Mermaid too, but I, I never watched. Yeah, them, yeah. So. Uh, the, well, there's, I think there's a Lion King three as well. Uh, which, yeah, yeah. I, there, there's quite a lot, and they're very, very successful. So, um, yeah, over the course of it's going to take me a few months to get through everything. Um, yeah, every every few days or so, or maybe once or twice a week, I'm going to try and catch a classic Disney, but also try and catch one of these sequels that yeah, I personally have never seen, like the Aladdin sequel, uh, King of Thieves, I think it was called. I never saw that. You know, it went straight to video. Uh, in the 90s and was quite a big hit but I never got around to watching it so um, now that obviously uh, Disney Plus is up and running all this stuff is on there so um, again to, to those yeah. of you who've got families and kids you know uh, it, it is a good source for keeping them entertained during this time with some some really good stuff so I have to say Bambi 2 was it, it wasn't a bad production it was actually quite good and enjoyable um, but one of the things that I've tried to do this week is try and up my game on watching new films or I say new films or maybe they're older films stuff that I missed at the cinema and i'm now trying to catch up just so i can keep me you know, like <laughs> as yourself you know you you opted for a film that you have seen before uh, i'm trying to no, trying to it's, terrible. Yeah, it's not that terrible you know if the film entertains you and keeps you amused that's the most important things to um but out of uh, some of the new stuff that i've seen this week uh one film that i was actually really looking forward to and i have to admit disappointed me quite a lot was a film called the lovebirds uh, which was originally going to have a cinematic release but due to oh, yeah, yeah. due to circumstances unfortunately it, it, it didn't get released uh it stars uh kamal ninjani i believe i'm saying his name correctly um uh, from the the guy from big the guy from yeah big i was just Sick, gonna yeah. say the guy from big Sick, really funny guy stand-up yeah. comedian he's in next year's eternals as well when i'm, I'm pretty sure his star's going to rise even further maybe in a chris pratt kind of way and uh, and i believe i'm saying this lady's name correct uh, correctly Ice Ray, uh, they're a couple who are out on a date night. Never heard uh, of me that. neither, and I didn't recognise her, but uh, and she's quite amusing in the film. Um, but they star as a couple on a date night from hell. Um, basically, they have an incident with a bloke on a bicycle, and a, a fake cop carjacks them, and then the couple become the main suspects in this murder case. And they spend the rest of the night on a race against time to try and clear their names. Like I said, I was looking forward to it, but I was kind of disappointed because it's just not as funny as it wants to be. Uh, I found it rather tired and cliche, if, I, if I'm honest, and it, it just didn't make me laugh. Um, and also their constant bickering uh, together, it got, it got quite tiresome towards the end. Um, That's a glow, glowing Well, no, I'm, right I'm just being honest. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, uh, other people might see The Lovebirds and think it's absolute comedy genius, you know, so, uh, or maybe I just wasn't in the right frame of mind, but I was disappointed with it. But on the flip side of that, okay. another comedy that I watched, which I missed at the cinema, was Life of the Party. And I know you're going to guffaw at me, Stu, because... <laughs> Uh... It's a Melissa McCarthy film, and you know I'm not the biggest fan of her at all. Uh, there are three... 
Just don't mention Ghostbusters. Don't Please mention don't mention Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters to me. I was in a good mood up until that second. Um, no, the, the 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 previous films that I've enjoyed of hers, Bridesmaids, of course, although it's an ensemble piece. Um, no one knew who she was when she was in that film, and yeah, she it's, she's still amusing in it. Um, Saint Vincent was really good, and Can You Ever Forgive Me was she's absolutely outstanding in that film. In fact, I think she was nominated for, if not an Oscar, certainly a BAFTA yeah. for that. Um, and Richard E. Grant, yeah. superb. But this actually joins that very short list of films with Melissa McCarthy that I actually enjoyed. Uh, it's it's directed wow. by a real-life husband, Ben Falcone, and uh, it's, it's basically the story of uh, a, a middle-aged lady who, uh, her husband, her on-screen husband, dumps her, demands a divorce. He... The uh, his her, her husband is uh, the guy from Bridesmaids, isn't he? The air marshal. Uh, oh yeah, her real life husband, the director Ben Falcone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. he he appears, uh, he cameos in a lot of her films. So he's um, he's the guy with the mustache, and he um, they they always have like little scenes together. And I have to admit, in Life of the Party, there's a scene early on where he cameos, and it was the first big belly laugh. And I thought, oh wow, I I think. I'm actually going to enjoy this. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I said that to myself, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. she, uh, she plays uh, this soon to be divorcee who decides to turn her regret into a positive thing by going back to college. And she goes into the same class and the same school as her daughter. Uh, and I really liked it. It made me laugh all the way through. I liked her character, which is very difficult for me to say about McCarthy, but um, she actually played a character rather than just mugging for the camera, which is what I find she often does. Uh, and Maya Rudolph uh, plays her best mate and she steals the film, uh, particularly in one scene in a restaurant where there's a few revelations and uh, Maya Rudolph is just absolutely brilliant. So that one I would heartily recommend. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I, okay. I watched a British sci-fi film called 2036 Origin Unknown, which was very poor to be honest uh it's kind of like a poor man's 2001 a space odyssey every so often somebody thinks that they can do a kubrick and make that kind of space type film uh, chris nolan was the last person to try with interstellar in 2014 and i must admit i wasn't that you know i wasn't that impressed with that film to be fair but uh it stars katie sackler from Battlestone. Yeah, that yeah, maybe yeah hey you know if you're a nolan fan and you loved interstellar let us know by all means uh, every opinion is valid uh but yeah katie sackler from uh, Battlestar galactica fame is in there and it's kind of her in a room for 90 minutes and i don't think she's really strong enough an actress to maintain your interest it's a kind of dull and pretentious and it it goes off on one towards the end where even i was scratching my head going what have i just watched um but finally the best Sounds like it's true. Uh, But the best film I've seen this week is Grave of the Fireflies, which was the third film from Studio Ghibli uh, from the 80s, even though it's only. Oh, you love I your animals. I, I do, and and this is a beautiful story, really well told. It's uh, it's it's the tale of a young boy, a fourteen year old, and his little sister, and their struggle to survive in Japan during World War Two. Uh, they end up living with their aunt, and then even in a disused, abandoned shelter, uh, just fighting to survive every day. I know it doesn't sound exactly you know riveting, or maybe it's not full of laughs, but it's not. It's beautifully animated, very emotional, very powerful, very moving. I have to admit, um, yeah, it, it kind of upset me in the last half hour. But it's one of those films that you, I feel you need to watch at some point in your life. Um, a lot of people have been recommending this one to me for, for many years, and I'm really happy I got around to seeing it. So absolute quality film. Um, so, yeah, that's just a little snapshot of what I've been watching and, and enjoying, I must say. Another busy week for you. Another rubbish <laughs> week for me. Uh, but what can you do, Tris? You know, it's uh, it's all good. What I will say as well, just for uh, some of the staff out there, is that I've been working on uh, some main evening show times uh, for when we do reopen. 
um, and obviously trying to make sure that uh, certain cinemas where uh, they have uh, two different entrances to say screens one to five and screens six to ten, making sure that uh, certain screens are not within 10 minutes of each other and so on and so forth. So uh, I've spent a lot of time uh, working on that this week and it's kind of coming together now and hopefully over the next uh, you know, seven to 10 days, uh, there'll be more information on that for everyone. Thanks once again to everyone that has written into us this week. We do really appreciate it. Please keep the emails coming to us. Uh, as always, we will try and reply to as many of them as we can. We might not be able to read all of them out, but we do try to. So a couple of shout outs that I've got this week. Uh, first one's for Cormac and his team over at Picture House. Uh, I've got another one for Donna Dookie and her team in construction. And finally, Mo Williams from Newport Spitty. Uh, they've all written in this week just saying how much they've really enjoyed the podcast, enjoy listening to us um, and keep up the good work. And hopefully we'll all be back in the cinema soon. So thank you to all of you guys. Please do stay safe and enjoy continuing listening to the podcast. Yeah, big hi to uh, Jamie Sherwood, general manager at Telford. Uh, he has written to us uh, a couple of times before. Uh, he uh, mentioned how much he really enjoyed the interview with Claire Bins last week on the Desert Island Films. Uh, intrigued to know why she picked the Redux version of Apocalypse Now uh, rather than the original cut. Jamie, I honestly think it's just because it's 40 minutes longer and it's just more epicness in her view. But uh, Stu, it is on your list. I would recommend you maybe try the theatrical cut first. See how you got me that. Well, it's 40 minutes shorter, so yeah, that'll work for me. Okay, that works for him. Um, and he also um, sent his top three Tarantino films as well, bless him. Um, so at number three is Kill Bill. Uh, he wasn't old enough to actually see it in the cinemas when it came out, but over the years, it's gradually grown on him, and he absolutely loves it. He considers it to be probably Tarantino at his peak Tarantino-esque style, um, which I would agree with, because it is absolutely superb. Uh, number two is a film that came out last year, and that was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the film that Lucy Waddington saw about 17,000 times, so she's going to love you, Jamie. 18,000, 18,000. Oh, is it up to 18,000 now? Wow. Yeah, well, since lockdown, she's watched it another thousand times. Oh, that, that's fantastic. I love her dedication to the cause. Yeah. Uh, Jamie says he could spend hours watching Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth go about their business. Love the chemistry between those two guys. And also enjoy the fact that it's a film about the old Hollywood transitioning into the new Hollywood as it did in the 1970s. And I have to admit, I've seen that film five or six times now myself, and it it does get better with each repetitive view. It's a, it is a superb film. But for number one, he went with and he says himself it's the obvious choice but he's absolutely fantastic and that is Pulp Fiction again another film I know you've not seen Stu and I did hum and haw about putting one of the absolute classic Tarantinos into my top three uh, so kudos to you Jamie for choosing that it's your top three and so you can put in there whatever you flipping well like and uh, yeah good choice so uh, that's, yeah. that's Jamie's top three uh, what else you got Fair Stu? Enough. Uh, I got an email from Darren Rogers, uh, who is the general manager at Middlesbrough, uh, another one of your favourite Cineworld cinemas. God, I'm getting in on Absolutely. it now. Um, yeah, we we've done really well with Middlesbrough. They've they've really been, uh, you know embracing this whole uh, podcast and we actually had another email from uh, laura this morning as well um so quick shout out to you as well laura uh, i know you were on the quiz uh, it didn't quite beat david on the quiz but you know it's all good um so darren in his email said he has been meaning to drop us uh, an email for a while now to thank you for the time and effort that we've been putting in to the weekly podcast which has been very well received by himself and the team at middlesbrough like i did just point out um They've actually had a WhatsApp group uh, going, uh, talking about it a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's really, really pleased to hear so much engagement from, him, from his team um, at Middlesbrough. And going on from the WhatsApp side of it. So 
<laughs> what he says is that you always have, you know, when you, whenever you share emails with someone, you always have a mental idea of what that person looks like. And I think the Middlesbrough team weren't entirely sure what you looked like, Tris. Mm-hmm. And then last week, both Laura and David were on the quiz and then obviously got to see what your face was like in person. Um, and they decided that you looked like someone from the Marvel Universe. They actually thought that you looked a little bit like Ego, uh, plays um, Chris Pratt's father in uh, Gardens of the Galaxy 2. He's a very bad man, very evil man. Um, and they actually sent over a picture of their WhatsApp uh, group with a picture of Ego <laughs> saying, does Christian look a little bit like this guy? <laughs> and <clears throat> Yeah, I kind of do at the moment, don't I? Because uh, I've got like a full-on beard at the moment with the grey flecks in there as well. And, and yes, I think last Friday my hair was doing some kind of bouffant thing as well so uh hey you know i'll take that that's a compliment you know not not so much for russell um for so for kurt russell i was gonna say russell crowe then <laughs> maybe the fat podgy version of him but uh yeah for kurt russell that's fantastic i mean yeah i think unfortunately my hair and beard are stylized that way and it's and even though the rains come it's still too warm so i think i need to shave and get rid of the hair and i think next time you see me Stu, i will be looking more like mo williams uh, thank you for putting that image in my head. That's very kind. I'll continue with the email. Uh, Darren says that his 12-year-old daughter, Katie, is also a fan. Uh, so big shout out to you, Katie. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, and Katie now, after hearing my story about Tom Holland, has decided she wants to work in film buying. <laughs> Sadly, she is only 12 years old. So in six years' time, Darren, let me know if, if she's still interested. Um and he finishes, uh, for the record, we all know that Tristan's favourite cinema cinema is Middlesbrough. Where else does he have his own personal foyer scoop and brush for when he returns to do his back-to-the-floor shifts? I'm sure the team look forward to meeting Tristan at Middlesbrough when he starts his cinema tour. Let's just hope the police don't have to speak to him again this time. And for clarification, just so that everyone else knows this story, Tristan, I will let you elaborate on that a little. Uh, okay, well, th- there was just there was an incident that took place. I was part of the film team that night. This is going back to like December 2011. Um, yeah, and something happened. And so the, the police came down to the cinema. I, I, I wasn't responsible for it. I was a witness. So I just had to give a statement. But unfortunately, uh, although I was getting on really well with the floor team at the time after doing a couple of hours of cleaning screens, I then had to disappear for the rest of the evening uh, and, and deal with this incident thing and, and speak to the police uh, and then I think I got done by about 10 o'clock by which time I just went and watched the late show of the uh, prequel version of the thing uh, so that was my experience in Middlesbrough but uh, Darren and his team at the time they looked after me and I believe they still have the scoop and brush with, with my name Tristian on it potentially that might still be lurking somewhere in Middlesbrough um, guys you'll have to email us and, and let us know if that scoop is still there I reckon the opening Friday of No Time to Die I think Tristan should go and do a shift at Cineworld Middlesbrough on the opening Friday night. If anyone wants that to happen, feel free to email us, as always, stuart.crane at cineworld.co.uk or tristan.cooper at cineworld.co.uk. And if we get enough emails, we will make that happen. And again, yes, Tristan, it's in your contract. You don't get a say in it. So I know that you've got one other email, Tris. So over to you. Uh, yeah, uh, this is from uh, Elijah Taylor, uh, who uh, works. Uh, he's a CM at Whitney. Hey, my favorite cinema cinema. And genuinely, because I booked Whitney. So hi, Elijah. Uh, it was great to see you last Friday on the quiz, by the way. Um, and yeah, he's just saying it's great to hear you guys talking about films during the lockdown. Uh, uh, it's quite a few that he hasn't heard of. So he's going to try and catch up with them, which is great. Which is, you know, if we can inspire anyone to go and seek out films they've not seen before from our... Uh, 
inane ramblings, then I think that's a positive thing. Even if you don't enjoy the films, if you, you're seeing something you've never seen before, uh, at least you're getting to experience that. Uh, of course, there's always comfort from watching films that you know and love, but if you can see something new, then seek it out. That's what I would say. Um, he, he did ask the question, Stu, how come you've only ever watched one Bond pre-GoldenEye, one Bond film pre-GoldenEye? Well, we did kind of establish that in the first podcast that you'd never seen anything up to, was it Piers Brosnan? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just didn't get around to it. I wasn't massively into films till I probably turned about 17 or 18, I think. And um, that was just the case. And I never watched them before that. I think I remember my first uh, visit to the cinema ever was to watch, I think, Kindergarten Cop. Uh, I think that was like back in 1992 or something. So um, I know I asked you earlier about when your first uh, cinema experience was and you couldn't quite remember the film, but you said it was definitely around 90, uh, sorry, 1977-ish, something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, you did. Yeah, you messaged me. Um, that, that That is so weird. I've been thinking about this over the last few hours and I, gen- I, I remember seeing Star Wars at no episode or new hope attached to it when it was released in 78 in the uk i remember seeing that but i know that i've been to the cinema beforehand and i used to go to a cinema called the classic cinema that very famously in sheffield burnt down on fitz uh, william square and not when i was in it by the way and I, again i wasn't responsible and there was no police report but i went there Good with my man to watch loads of disney reissues through the mid to late 70s um so i probably saw something like either bambi or dumbo or aristocrats or something along those lines was probably my first cinema mm. experience uh watching a disney cartoon well on top of that like uh, everyone that's listening feel free to email us let us know when your first uh, cinema experience was let us know the film you watched the year it was what cinema you were in uh, and we'll try and read out as many as we can next week, um, if you can remember them, uh, of course. Uh, but sorry, Tris, carry on with the... Oh, no, no, that's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, if your mind can stretch back to the 70s, depending on how old you are, I'm trying to remember what you watched. Although I think I did joke with you and said, first film I saw was in 1937, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But, um, also yeah, okay. uh, yeah um, Elijah was good enough to share his uh, top three of the year, because we're still uh, interested in what people uh, have got for this year, 2020 so far. Uh, number three was Jojo Rabbit number two was Parasite and number one was 1917 which he actually states was probably the best film he's ever seen he absolutely enjoyed it wow. but not his favorite though which I think is really interesting that you could do like a top three of your best films but you could also do a separate top three of your favorites because sometimes yeah, they're not that. always the same um I get, I get that. Yeah, I depending on what point. mood you're in, uh, I guess. Uh, and also, because of this uh, wonderful run of uh, Desert Island film sequences that we've, we've been having on the podcast with all these great people coming on and telling us what they their favourite films would be, what they'd want to watch if they were stuck on an island somewhere, uh, he's given a, a quite an eclectic band here. Uh, number three is Amazing Grace from 2007, uh, the film with... Uh, benedict cumberbatch before he became famous number two is four weddings and a funeral one of the best british comedies of all time in my opinion and at number one is a star wars film episode five the empire strikes back so elijah thank you so much for sending your top threes through really interesting stuff there uh and uh keep listening and uh, i look forward to the day elijah when i'm booking your cinema again and telling you no you can't have that because you're only a five plex yeah, that is a regular occurrence, but we do still enjoy yeah. the emails. So please do keep pushing him to get those films in, Elijah. Um, that's it from the emails this week. Thanks again, everyone. Please do keep continue writing into us. And please do now enjoy the wonders of Desert Island Films with Charlie Watts.
So a big welcome to our guest this week for Desert Island Films. Please say hello, everyone, to Charlie Watts, our head of retail. Hello, Charlie. Hi, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, buddy. I'm good. How are you? How's lockdown treating you? Well, I'm I'm very good. It's nice to hear your your voice, and um, yeah, we're surviving okay. I'm uh, more fortunate than uh, many. I've got uh, an okay house and a nice garden, and uh, hello to everybody out there that's uh, surviving this with us. So uh, yeah, we've been really busy. Excellent. I'm I'm pleased that you're doing well. It's nice to to properly hear your voice rather than you know uh, just see the emails and stuff like that. But uh, thank you for coming on. We do really appreciate it. Um, what tell tell us what you've been watching during lockdown, Charlie? What uh, have you watched anything that um, you could potentially recommend or anything that I know your interests, uh, Charlie? <laughs> I know that unfortunately some of your tastes are not great, but. Um, <laughs> tell us, is there anything out there that we should be watching that we maybe haven't, we've missed out on? I don't know. I, I certainly can, Stuart. I, I think it's really important for everybody that, that um, as you know, in Brentford, I like to see myself as man of the people. I get very honest reviews about uh, films, good and bad. That's what we call um, you as well, man <laughs> of the people. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that's thanks to uh, Tristan's film show, my, my favourite screen, funnily enough, not being Sheffield, but actually being Brentford's very own cinema. So thanks, Chris, <laughs> for putting that on. Um, but for me, it's about how films make you feel. And it's an old cliche in terms of a Cineworld tagline, but I think that's really, really important because it doesn't matter whether, for me, it's not about, I'm not a film anorak in terms of best producers and this, that. It's like, does it make me feel a certain way? Um, and although I don't own particularly many films, I'm not a John Perry, um, the films <laughs> that I do own um, are things that are very dear to my heart because they make me feel a certain way. So the things I've been watching, actually, have been quite old stuff, way before you were born, Stuart. Um, and you know I'm a huge fan of uh, musical films, um, Frozen being my most favourite film. Oh, sorry, have I given yeah. something away there? Um, this, the, Charlie's mentioning this, by the way, for the people that don't know. <laughs> Uh, because when Frozen came out, I watched it before it came out and said, oh, my God, it's going to be amazing. It's going to take loads of money. It's brilliant. It's amazing. And then Charlie watched the staff show of it and came out and said he hated it um, and that it was rubbish. So we've kind of got a running joke that Charlie hates Frozen. And I, that's why I'll never trust his judgment. That is literally it right there. <laughs> and why Charlie doesn't trust my judgment on the nacho cheese sauce we have. So, you know, it's fair. It's, it works both ways. Yep. Yep, absolutely. It's like, leave the expertise to the experts, I say, Stuart. Um, 100%, but, mate. But one musical, I I do own one musical um, DVD that's very dear to my heart, and okay. it's actually a 1952 film, and it's um, Danny Kaye um, playing Hans Christian Andersen. Funny enough, you've probably never heard of it, never watched it. Um, I've heard of I Hans can... Christian Andersen, but I've never heard of the film. Yeah, so so it was a, a famous film of its day, 1952. It's in glorious Technicolor, so the, <laughs> the colours really pop out. Um, songs that you probably wouldn't know were from that film, but you might have heard as a child. Um, really enjoying that. Okay. Um, in the 50s also, um, there's a great uh, Jules Verne journey to the centre of the earth starring uh, James Mason, of all people. Yes, um, there, was, there, was a re- there was a remake of that, wasn't there? With there um, was Brendan there was. Frazier, and then maybe The Rock did an did one as well. I think. Yep, 
yeah um and uh that's one of my favorite all times um and then i'm i am actually uh none of these films made my top three but i'm a big david lynch fan uh not a lot of people know that um and the fan first... of michael king <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the and the first full length feature that he did is a film called Eraserhead, which is an absolute cult classic, um, which is a hugely disturbing film shot in black and white. Um, but again, for those that don't particularly know David Lynch's earlier work, I can thoroughly recommend stuff like Eraserhead um, or the the performances in um, The Elephant Man um, or one of my other favourites, Wild at Heart. Um, and then, and then you'll like this one. This is this is a typical Charlie special. Um, I, I can't remember which guest it was, or whether indeed it was you guys um, the other week that were talking about potentially doing a remake of Pirates of the Caribbean with a female lead. Yeah. Um, well, they've kind of already done that. There was a a great film. Well, I thought it was great anyway. That came out in the nineties called Cutthroat Island, starring Gina Davis. Um, and it got absolutely slated at the time. I think it made something like 10 million box office, cost best part of 100 million to make, and at one point was in the Guinness Book of Records for being um, the highest losing box office uh, film of all time. Um, so, but I really enjoy it. It's a fe- it's a fe- Gina plays the female pirate as a swashbuckling lead. Highly recommend it. Great fun. I mean, I think that tells everyone <laughs> everything they need to know about your your film taste, Charlie. Like, honestly, I was surprised that when you sent me over your top three, that actually something like Geostorm wasn't in there. But, you know, it's <laughs> each to their own. So, I mean, thank you for coming on today. We do really appreciate it, as always. Um, so the question that we always like to ask, and it's a horrible question for anyone working in the film industry, and I appreciate that, um, but we say if you are dumped on a desert island, you have your Blu-ray player, you have your television, you have your popcorn or your snack of choice. Um, but you can only pick three films to yep. watch for the rest of your life. What would those three films be and why? Give us an order. So start with number three, number two, number one. Yep. We want to hear Charlie Watts's Desert Island films. Well, I'm hoping that they'll actually surprise you given what I've just said, but... Uh... In at number three is an absolute classic. It's called This Is Spinal Tap. It's from 1984, and it's a mockumentary or rockumentary. Um, it's become an absolute classic. When it originally came out, um, it was had moderate success. In a nutshell, it's a mockumentary about a 1970s rock band going on a tour of America in the 1980s. And it is so close to the bone, it's actually entered into sort of rock folklore. Um, Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big music fan. Um, Indeed. Absolutely littered with in-jokes, right down to all the visual clues. Um, It's it's actually a group of American actors, but you would not know that. Their British accents are amazing. When it came out, the critics panned it because they thought it was a real band as opposed to a made-up band. (laughs) And it is actually a made-up band, but it looks so realistic. All the rock bands of the time now refer to it in terms of how accurate it is about life on the road. Um, And two things have entered into the sort of dictionary of language um, from that film. The first is, in in music circles, um, you can have a thing called a spinal tap moment. Um, What's a spinal tap moment? 
a spinal tap moment and the the second phrase is this one goes to 11 when okay. there's a there's a reference and i won't spoil it for those who should watch it but there's a reference to most things go up to 10 so if you've got an amplifier it goes up to 10 and there's a scene where there's an amplifier that goes up to 11 and they go well surely you just make it go up to 10 and go no this one goes to 11 so, so, max- so ex- explain to me what what is a spinal tap moment is that just when you make a mistake or no you need to you need to watch the movie it's 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 where you have all these cliches in rock bands so for example i'll give you a little a little example there's a there's a scene where um they decide they want a a big piece of scenery and they've ordered effectively a, a stonehenge prop um Unfortunately, the Stonehenge prop wasn't uh, briefed properly. So instead of being sort of 20 or 30 foot tall, it's about a foot and a half tall and it's too late to change it. So they have to put it on stage. Um, And and so it's a hilarious moment where they've got some people dancing around what should have been this massive monolith. And in fact, is just a piece of piece of effectively polystyrene about a foot and a half tall. Um, and, and so it kind of refers to those sort of epic fails that have happened in stage productions. Um, there's lots of references in the T-shirts that they're wearing. Um, there's a there's a tour manager that is is basically a complete rip off of all the tour managers from the 70s. Um, so if you like music and you want to see something that is is it looks like a serious film, but it's incredibly funny. And anybody who loves music absolutely has it rated as one of its top all-time films, then Spinal Tapshi movie. Okay. I Listen, I'm not going to say that I'm going to go out and watch it because normally when I do that, I don't. And then I feel bad and then Tristan mocks me, mocks me for it. So, listen, I uh, maybe one day, but uh, that is in at number three. Yep. So it's a, that's a good start for you. Uh, it, I wouldn't have expected that, if I'm honest with you. Um, but uh, number two, how do we how do we look on number two? OK, number two. Um, this was a difficult one because I'm, a uh, again, I would say big Martin Scorsese fan, but uh, I like many films that he's done. And this was actually a very difficult choice because you've got, um, you know, you, most people who would be listening will know some of the stuff that he's done. Um, you know, you've got big films in there like Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street. Um, and I nearly put in Gangs of New York, which I absolutely love. But my favourite Scorsese film and one of the lesser known ones is a film called Casino from 1995. OK. Um, again, don't know if you've heard it, Stu. But if I've heard of it. I've definitely heard about it. I've just never seen it. So how, why would that one be in there then? So it stars uh, Robert De Niro, it's got Joe Pesci and it's got Sharon Stone as the three main leads. And they all give amazing performance. Um, Brief synopsis, it's about uh, Robert De Niro plays a casino manager in Las Vegas in the 1970s. And he's been planted in there by the mafia as the front man. Uh, Joe Pesci is uh, one of the mob who's there to babysit De Niro. And Sharon Stone is a is a Vegas hustler, um, controlled by um, another good performance by James Woods. Okay. And, effe- and effectively, it's about the rise and fall of greed and lust in Vegas in the 70s. Um, it's very brutal. Joe Pesci is probably one of the most psychotic people I've ever seen in a movie in this film. Um, but it's it's visually stunning. It reminds me, I was very lucky to go to Vegas. Uh, in the 70s and I stayed in a hotel called the Dunes Hotel 
Uh, <laughs> there's a scene in the movie where they actually show the destruction of the Dunes Hotel, which actually happened when they cleared Vegas up in the back end of the 70s. So um, it's beautifully shot, it's beautifully acted. Um, it's got a really good story. Didn't get massively great reviews, but for me, I watch it time and time again. There's a great opening sequence where um, there's a car that explodes and, it, and there's, a, there's a very famous classical piece of music by Bach that plays over it. And for me, I, I think, um, again, we were talking about Apocalypse Now the other week on, on one of your uh, podcasts. And, um, you know, for me, it's just an epic opening. You've got Bach, St. Matthew's Passion playing in the background. You've got this car exploding, a great opening sequence. So, okay. again, if you're a fan of um, mobster type movies, I would highly recommend it. Okay, uh, well, we appreciate that being in at number two. So you've got kind of like a, a comedy, a bit of music in number three. You've got like a drama, well-acted number two. I'm intrigued for your number one choice, Charlie. Tell us what it is. Well, my number one was actually very easily, Stuart. Um, I've always Frozen. been a big... Frozen 2. Angry Birds 2, actually, Stuart, was my favourite film of last year, I have to say. People might think you're joking, Charlie, but no, no, I am being dead, serious. I am deadly serious. I, I was privileged, and I use that word, I was privileged enough to see it three times with my nephew last year, uh, and I laughed every single time. So, uh, again, really enjoyable film. But um, I'm, I've, always, I've always been a big fan. I mentioned earlier about Glorious Technicolor, but I've been a big fan of those classic big-budget spectacles the big epic. So yeah. think Ben-Hur, Spartacus, Cleopatra, Chloe Vardis, um, Fall of the Roman Empire. And this film actually lent very heavily on uh, Fall of the Empire, which came out in uh, 1964, uh, took all the best elements of that and then added a real big human element and brought the genre right up to date. Um, add that to a fantastic film score by Hans Zimmer and you have Gladiator. What can what, I say? Uh, Oscar winning Gladiator, best film. Oscar winning. 2000. Um, yeah, I mean, what a choice that is. That's And actually, Charlie, now that you mention that, do you remember what the tagline for Gladiator was at the time? Oh, I wasn't expecting that question, Stuart. Uh, I was trying to catch people out. Yeah, no, good question. Well, uh, the, the tagline well, was, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I feel that we're now in 2020 and that couldn't be more accurate than the world we are living in right now. Yeah, too um, right, I think, Stuart. Too right. But um, that is, that's an amazing film. Absolutely incredible. I remember watching it at the cinema myself. Um, so thank you, by the way, for putting in a film into your top three that A, I have heard of, and B, <laughs> I've actually seen. Um, you're that's welcome. That's the first, first time in about three weeks that's happened. So uh, I do really appreciate that. I mean, that in terms of top three, you know that is it's pretty well up there i would say that it's missing a romantic comedy charlie that's that's all that you know there's there's probably uh, some romantic comedy missing there that, that yeah. could have been in there for me but um you know well, well one one that, that hovered on the outside but didn't make it is um is fried green tomatoes at the whistle stop cafe one claire would know well um nearly yeah that might have been near that that genre Stu. but uh, sorry gladiator got number one for me I still think it's a good choice, mate. Very good choice. And uh, obviously, we appreciate your time as well. So thank you for coming no on. Worries. It's been a pleasure. I, uh, I guess the, the final question that I ask everyone uh, that comes on, uh, we, we're gearing more towards the reopening uh, of cinemas again now. Um, 
I guess the question I have is, what are you and your teams uh, looking at over the next few weeks, uh, kind of on the build-up towards the reopen? What What do you guys have in store? Well, I guess like many teams, we've been working um, in the background, those that uh, um, are still doing stuff in the business uh, around what our reopening plans will look like, um, talking to our suppliers. Um, we've still been doing working with our construction teams in the background. So we've been piling on with uh, getting Wolverhampton and Brighton. Uh, we're hopefully to start some work in Dublin very shortly. So lots of that has been going on in the background and, uh, and, and keeping the oil files burning. And, uh, you know, again, I just want a big, big shout out to all our colleagues in both cinemas and Brentford. Um, it's been a challenging time for us all, but I'm really excited that, you know, we're going to get back soon and get back to doing the thing that we love best. 100%. I could not agree with you more. Uh, well, Charlie, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, you take care of yourself. And I hope that I get to see you uh, back in the office very, very soon. If only so that you can just bring me some, you know, free chocolate. That's, that's, that's it, really. But, uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Take care and stay Thanks. safe, mate. All Thanks, right? Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. What I would say about Desert Island Films is that anyone can have a top three and it can be totally different from anyone else. And I think that is the joy of cinema, being able to have such a different opinion um, from anyone else. And, you know, someone's top three can be someone else's bottom three. And I think that that is great that you can have that. But one thing for Charlie that I will say is that whilst his top three is very strong, I would say the fact that he watched Angry Birds two, three times last year and that it was his favourite film of the year. I mean... I love Charlie to bits, but uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be asking for his uh, movie expectations in terms of box office anytime soon, would you say, Tris? Uh, absolutely not, but uh, he, he loves films. He loves watching films for the sheer enjoyment of it, you know. Uh, he's he's coined around uh, Brentford head office, he's coined as the man on the street. You know, he just gives a very, he likes to consider himself a, a fairly straightforward bloke and, and he loves his films, but his top three is immensely good in my opinion. And again, it's, it's just my opinion. Um, I assume, I assume you've seen, you've seen them all, haven't you? Yes, I have. You know, this is final top is just one of the best uh, comedies ever made in my opinion. And casino is a fantastic choice. I mean, when it comes to gangster films, most people, they often state the Godfather or Goodfellas, you know, um, or things like Donnie Brasco, but casino uh, often gets overlooked, but it is a superb film from the nineties. Uh, Tris, can I, Tris, can I just say something? Yeah, you named you named all those old films there. I've seen Donnie Brasco. I know you have, and and I'm so impressed that you have because not only have you seen it, but you loved it, right? I did. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen God uh, Goodfellas or Godfather, but you know, it's it's all good. No. We'll skip past that bit. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, you you love the you love God, uh, Donnie Brasco, and yeah, it was an absolute treasure in '97 when that came out. Um, but the film that I know you have seen, and that's Gladiator, and I don't think many people would disagree with Gladiator being in anyone's top three because after 20 years, and it is a 20-year-old film now, uh, it's still absolutely immense and wonderful. Brilliant score, Russell Crowe. Well, it made a star of him, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm actually in the mood to watch that now. <laughs> yeah, I kind of when I was talking to him earlier, I was kind of like. I really feel like I should go back and watch that again. But um, I mean, that's the sort of thing that will happen. I'll say that I'll watch Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now, but I won't watch a brand new film and I'll go back and watch Gladiator for the sixth time or something. So. <laughs> as long as you enjoy it, man, that's the, try and watch Apocalypse. Or, or this is Spinal Tap or even Casino. You know, try, try and maybe watch something new. Yeah, I'll get on that. Um, 
Tris, yeah. give us some movie news. Tell tell the listeners some movie news from the past. Yeah, week. little snippets of stuff coming your way. Uh, it has been announced this week that Sonic the Hedgehog Two is in the works of Paramount Pictures. Uh, Jeff Fowler is going to return as director along with the same writing team. The sequel was set up at the end of the final of uh, the last film, uh, and with a worldwide tally of three hundred and six million dollars on a budget of only eighty five million dollars, and that included all the work they had to do to make Sonic look actually quite good. Uh, it is one of the few box office successes of twenty twenty. So far, so I know that uh, Jodie at Felton will be leaping for joy right now as it was in her top three of the year so far, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll be looking forward to the sequel in the next couple of years, Jodie. Um, John Carpenter, the legendary sci fi horror filmmaker, has announced plans to complete his Live, Laugh, and Love trilogy, which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, back in 1988, Carpenter released a sci fi action satire, They Live Upon an Unexpected World. Um, I don't know if you're, you've probably not seen it, Stu, but the story. No, I'm just glazing over. And actually, I'm not paying a lot of attention to what you're saying for the next about. Oh, right. Fantastic. Well, anyway, the story was uh, set in the 80s. It was about an ordinary man discovering an alien conspiracy behind humanity's ho-hum existence. Uh, It was a blazing attack on 80s over commercialism and consumerism and uh, the general greed is good culture, which ruled the decade. Uh, The sequels are called They Laugh and They Love. Uh, Two actors have been attached. uh, Camille Nad. Uh, Najana, who we were talking about earlier with Lovebirds and Eternals, and also Andy Serkis, who apparently is going to be playing the aliens in the two films. Um, they're set for release sometime back in the 2021. Um, they're looking at a theatrical run with hopefully the 16 week window in place. So uh, they could, more new John Carpenter films could be coming to cinemas near you in the next 18 months or so. Uh, following on from his amazing cameo at the end of Star- uh, Spider Man Far From Home last year, J.K. Simmons has confirmed this week that he's signed on to appear in the upcoming Spider-Man sequels as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, I'm listening again. I knew that would pull pull him back into the room. Uh, The editor-in-chief of the Daily Bugle, of course, and the character he played in all three of Sam Raimi's uh, directed Spider-Man films back in the noughties. Uh, It seems his cameo wasn't just a bit of flam, flam, fan-pleasing or stunt-casting. J.K. is back as J. Was it it flan-pleasing? What type of of flam was it? Tell it, me. It was a, it was a nice... The listeners want to know what flavor flan <laughs> it was, was a it. Nice chutney flan. It was brilliant. Everyone's doing cooking at the moment. I've obviously got food on the mind. Oh, We've been recording disgusting. this for eight hours. I, I'm just, I'm hungry. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah. no, it's it's not just a bit of fan pleasing. And I, I know Stu that you're a big Spider-Man fan. So am I. Uh, and when J.K. turned up at the end of Far From Home, it was the like almost a fist bump moment in the cinema. And the fact that he signed on for upcoming sequels and maybe other cameos. Are you excited by this news? You must be. Okay, now while I finally got your attention, uh, just a couple of extra bits. Um, Final Destination, which is another film that celebrates being 20 years old this year. There have been five films in the franchise and a sixth one is on the way. However, it's not going to be a reboot, which is what it was being tapped as uh, originally, but it's going to be a continuation of the franchise. The new film is going to be set in the same universe as the previous five films, and it's under the wing of the original series creator, Jeffrey Reddick. Uh, He says the new story will revolve around first responders, so EMTs, police, firefighting services, and the consequences of life and death that they deal with on a daily basis. So sounds quite intriguing. Uh, And finally, Ryan Goslin, who his next project, he's going to be starring in another astronaut movie called Project Hail Mary, but it's believe that his role after that will be as the Wolfman Um, after the disastrous remake of The Mummy in 2017 but then the very very respectable remake of The Invisible Man earlier this year it seems that the iconic universal strand of 
monster features are back on track. So The Wolfman is the next project. And Ryan Goslin is quite interesting casting uh, because both The Mummy and uh, The Invisible Man were very different takes on those two classic universal monster movies uh so wolfman could be could be something very excited uh very exciting to look forward to in the next few years uh, again Stu, mm. horror you know those old time horror films do you find them scary the old black and white films of that era um look yes and no i don't like the idea of dracula for example that freaks me okay. out a little bit i think as a, as a child i used to have to hide my neck when i used to go to sleep just in <laughs> case you know um but I, I never really watched them, Trist. They, don't, they didn't really do anything for me. Like, I don't mind films like Final Destination and Saw, for example. They're just kind of like blood and guts and gore and stuff. I don't mind that. Where I struggle is like uh, paranormal activity mm. and, you know, films that kind of get in your head. And I have a, a very overactive imagination. So I think that, that they're the type of films I kind of struggle with. So um, Wolfman wouldn't be an issue for me, I don't think. Um, and I'm sure that Ryan Gosling, uh, that will probably likely be wearing little to zero clothes after, you know, the transformation is over. I can't think of why people will want to go and watch that. Including you know, yourself, of course. You, you, you like that idea. Well, he's a handsome <laughs> man, you know. Credit where credit's due, yeah. Tris. No, I, I think that's good yeah. casting because everyone kind of laughed at the idea of Tom Cruise in The Mummy and, it, yeah, it wasn't a great film. But uh, the, the recent Invisible Man, I thought, was an absolute cracking um, remake and a reimagination of what you can do with that character and present that film. So, I personally, I'm quite excited by what the new version of Wolfman could be. And Ryan Goslin, yeah, he's an actor that most people have a lot of respect for and a lot of love. And, yeah, I, I think ladies will be enjoying his form as well when he transforms into whatever version of Wolfman we're going to get. So, um, yeah, some uh, exciting film news coming up there. Fair enough. Well, thank you, as always, for the update, Mr. Cooper. Uh, that brings an end to episode seven. Uh, please stay safe, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode eight from myself. Goodbye. Keep watching films. And from me as well. Take care, everybody. Look after each other. Uh, enjoy a bit of a downpour, but the good weather's going to be coming back. And keep watching films, new, old. Just enjoy the movies. Thanks, Michael Fish.